0: Welcome to Telegeography Explains the Internet, the show that explores the business behind all of the ways humans stay connected around the world. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and my guest today is Toby Foreman, CEO of Smart CIC. Toby joined me on the show mostly to talk about CellSmart, which is a division of Smart CIC that is entirely focused on fixed wireless access. And through this, he is able to provide a global perspective on the development of fixed wireless access and its potential as a disruptive technology in the enterprise connectivity space. We start out getting a solid definition of fixed wireless in the market today, and I was interested to learn about how 4G is still relevant and may even become more so for enterprise connectivity as consumers move off of 4G networks and onto 5G. Toby explained the process of what CellSmart does for service providers and enterprises that are interested in deploying fixed wireless access, and he got into all of the factors that one should consider in this process. As regular listeners know, I always get excited when we can bring geography into the conversation. And this was a particularly on-point interview for that. Toby's team at CellSmart are currently undertaking a mapping process, which I will let him describe in detail in the interview. Uh, But they're going to show how well mobile providers perform around the world and give a visual as well as actionable guide uh, to wireless performance at specific geographies. As I often like to get to in my interviews, Toby offered some real-world use cases to explain why and how fixed wireless access were actually a viable alternative to Wireline for some of their real customers. And finally, we get into how Toby sees the fixed wireless access and wireless markets in general developing over the next few years, with a focus on enterprise connectivity, but also getting a bit into the broader implications of broadband access uh, for all people uh, for economic development around the world. I definitely came away from this conversation not only with a deeper understanding of the development of fixed wireless access, but also how to best evaluate and understand what is coming in that market and how best to put it to use. I think you will find it useful on these and other points, so enjoy Welcome to the show, Toby. Hi. Nice to see you, Greg. All right. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, You know, we always start out the show, Toby, um, with just a brief background on yourself um, and uh, what you do as the CEO of Smart CIC. And today we're talking mostly about your division of CellSmart.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm the CEO of Smart CIC. We're a managed uh, global services provider. We provide connectivity solutions and field services through the line. Um, and back in, I guess, end of 2021, beginning of 2022, we mm-hmm. wanted to create a specific brand around fixed wireless access. So our right. business is really about being smart, smart CSE and sell mm-hmm. smart and around inte- the intelligence that you need uh, in order to deploy fixed wireless. So uh, we created Cell smart. So that's our, our cellular intelligence division. And yeah, that's why I'm, I'm on the show today. And I'm, I'm really pleased to be able to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's what brings us together here is is to talk about the developments of the fixed wireless access market. You know, say we do some research of multinational enterprises uh, network teams at Telegeography. Mm. And one of the things we ask is about what kind of connectivity services they're using at offices around the world. And definitely wireless is there. It seems to be a pretty small part of the mix still compared to wireline services, uh, Does beat satellite, just for the record, by a fair bit, right? Um, But yeah, you know, we talk to the uh, network managers a lot uh, as part of this survey. And one of the things I always say is that, you know, I really would like to have more Fixed wireless access options, um, you know, because uh, it it can very often be sort of much easier to acquire in certain situations and things like that, uh, shortening provisioning times. Um, But first, uh, before we get into, I think the nitty gritty of of making those options available to uh, customers, I want to focus in on define fixed wireless access. So, so what are you talking about when you talk about fixed wireless?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because I think. Certainly in the sort of the the, the, the telco world, there is a there's, there's a potential to confuse fixed wireless access with point-to-point microwave or WiMAX-type mm-hmm. services that were available in, the goodness knows, about 10, 15 years ago. Legacy I mean, technology. Like, yeah, legacy yeah. services. Um, fixed wireless for us is really harnessing the performance of publicly available cellular networks mm-hmm. and using that as a broadband replacement service, and I say mm-hmm. broadband replacement because The performance of those networks is simply not there yet to compete with DIA. Right. I actually believe that that will happen over time. Mm -hmm. And certainly we're seeing that type of performance uh, around the world. But yeah, we're talking about broadband replacement. So your XDSL, your FTTX type replacement service Um, Mm -hmm. from a use case point of view is great if you've got, you know, retail units, small branch locations. So this this isn't a solution that's necessarily ready for large corporate locations. Sure, sure, yeah, absolutely that has has a place,
0: um, but you know I, I definitely see the demand for that. Like I said, um, and and you mm-hmm. bring up a good case, uh, retail, for example. I've talked to the the network manager of a, of a large, you know, clothing retailer that's often stuck in malls. And uh, yep. malls, as many people know, will have a a single broadband provider under contract, and you can only use them while you go to uh, get you know sort of SD WAN, and you need multiple underlay connections. Uh, then wireless um, is is really the best option. so um, yeah. I think like I said there, there I see a, a lot of demand out there for that um but uh, it's it's been a matter of of do they have plans that that they can consume in a way that that you know is is like wireline? What's your sort of take on that and in, in terms of you know being able to have a, a similar uh, consumption and and contract and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, it's not. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely providers out there that say you can have all-you-can-eat packages. Right. But, but our experience in practice is that after a certain amount of data consumption, that those packages are shaped, right? The, the traffic is shaped, the, con- the, the connections right. are throttled. So, mm-hmm. it's not there yet. And right. there's a very good reason why it's not there yet. The telco, the backhaul networks are not set up. Um, mm-hmm. To cope with the amount of throughput that you would need if everybody moved from wireline services to, to wireless services, right. that doesn't mean that you can't use that connectivity. You just have to be more disciplined about um, how you consume the data, and it's about having conversations with your customer. It's about understanding the use case, and then and then building a package that works with that use case. I mean, we can provide you know with the contracts that we have with some of our carriers. Packages up to a terabyte, so there's there's plenty of data be to be consumed. But I think in I would say what over the past maybe six seven years, we've all become very complacent about the amount of data we mm-hmm. consume, the amount of bandwidth that's available. And right. when you're using a wireless service, you have to you have to think about that. It's no different to the way in which you think about data consumption if you're using an LEO service right. or a traditional satellite service. So you need to use that. The great thing, and, and you mentioned it before, is that fixed wireless access generally is outperforming those type of services mm-hmm. from a speed and from a latency perspective. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just a matter of kind of uh, right sizing the network. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, now, you mentioned that, that you're working mostly with service providers uh, r- rather than the, the enterprises directly. Is that the case? Correct. Yeah. I mean, we have a mix of customers, but the mm-hmm. majority of our customers are carriers. Mm-hmm. Say so, right, so it's it's a matter of of the carriers kind of working with the customer to manage the expectations, to understand um, how how this can be consumed and and how they should ultimately sort of
1: work it into their network planning. Yeah, I mean, we a lot of the a lot of the relationships that we have with carriers, they're very transparent about mm-hmm. us in front of their customers. So we're actually right. having those conversations direct with enterprise because we can help facilitate those discussions, but it's right. right. It's about, it is really about trying to right size um, the circuit, but you have Mm -hmm. those conversations anyway. When you're, when you're, if you're looking at SD-WAN, you're, you're having those conversations, you know, do you need broadband circuits or do you need a DIA? You know, what is the use case? It's just, you're putting something else into the mix um, that allows you to be disruptive if you want to be, certainly agile and very flexible so the the real value drivers that sit around fixed wireless access really come from speed to monetization Mm -hmm. you know wireline services take weeks to install unless something's lit and it can be lit very quickly but that's generally not the case the the benefit of a a fixed wireless service is you can be in in days so if you're selling to your customer uh, an overlay service like SD-WAN, you can't monetize that investment and your customer can't get the benefit of the overlay service they've bought until you have the underlay that goes under, that, 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 that connects everything together. Mm-hmm. So instead of waiting weeks for that underlay, you can use fixed wireless access, you can monetize that investment, your customer's gonna get the benefit within days. Mm-hmm. So we, we already have a delivery mechanism and. You know our customers do as uh, our competitors do as well, and you know right. I'm on. I'm on today to talk about fixed wireless access, not how smart CIC right. can do it. Mm-hmm. This is about trying to build uh, the category, if you like. Um, you know of, of 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 this type of connectivity. But if you've got a delivery mechanism, you can deliver incredibly quickly. We can deliver anywhere in Europe in five in in forty eight hours. We can deliver mm-hmm. anywhere in North America in five working days. Right. So that allows you to be incredibly dynamic mm-hmm. um, and it takes the pressure off customers expecting delivery on wireline services. If you can bring up that service and migrate it over on something like fixed wireless and then you can lift and shift and move it to somewhere else. And, yeah. and we're seeing and, and we're working in, in projects where that is happening. It's it's really
0: interesting. I, I think this is why it's it's a great topic for the podcast, and and why these enterprises that that I often talk to are thinking about this. You have carriers really going all in on the sort of network as a service thing, bandwidth on demand, which is really cool. But when you're talking about end to end, if if your provisioning time is is weeks rather than than days, um, the, the the bandwidth on demand doesn't have the same real yeah. promise that it that it should. Right. So no, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I want to talk specifically about um, 5G. But before we do that, could you take us through just uh, in the fixed wireless access category? um, is, Is LTE 4G still relevant as well? Or are we just waiting on
1: 5G? No absolutely it it it's definitely relevant i mean we we've been providing fixed wireless solutions as either primary or backup since 2015 mm-hmm. so uh, as as long as the as long as the local performance is there and it meets the need right. then absolutely LTE LTE plus 4G solutions are really, really relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they'll become even more relevant over time. So right. look, consumers are going to be migrated onto 5G. They're being migrated at the moment. It's a process that will take some time because uh, handsets need to be upgraded and obviously carriers are installing uh, and upgrading their networks to 5G. Mm-hmm. But once that happens, that 4G spectrum is not going away that that's not going to be that's that that's mm-hmm. not going to be uh, dismantled because right. you need the ability to go back to that so one of the issues that we have with 4G and around the way in which uh, it was it was built is that it suffers from saturation mm-hmm. so but if you take that consumer traffic off that network then it becomes Really interesting. And I see. Becomes,
0: so LTE will be more uh, enterprise worthy once the consumers well have moved could, to 5G. Absolutely.
1: I mean, Just, it depends where, yeah. you, it depends where sure. you are, right? Sure, yeah. LTE in the States sucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right?
1: It does. Yeah. And so everybody's waiting for 5G. Right. But in Europe, those LTE networks are powerful. They're strong. I mean, I have, a, I have a, uh, an LTE router in my house. I get over 200 meg down and 70 wow. meg Wow. right with a yeah. latency of around 55 60 milliseconds so mm-hmm. that's a usable broadband alternative right absolutely um, uh, for retail outlets so absolutely. absolutely so it can be used and mm-hmm. i think it's really about looking at cellular networks so fixed wireless but cellular networks and and define it and using opportunities that we have with the performance of those networks to deliver services for customers in a dynamic and disruptive and flexible way
0: yeah yeah absolutely so so I'm I'm not a, a, a big wireless expert so correct me if I'm wrong here but it's been my understanding that that you know one of the the sort of developmental delays to 5G has been that the, the tower uh, density has to be, the towers have to be a lot more dense, I should say, right? So because the signal doesn't go as far, it doesn't penetrate well, you need a mesh network and all that. Is Is that, um, is that being overcome by the carriers? so that that uh, you know, 5G fixed wireless is, is becoming more available to the
1: consumer? I mean, what we're seeing is we're seeing network performance increase, which is mm-hmm. what you would expect. So as investment plans roll out as that density, as you say, as that density increases, then we're seeing performance increase. Mm -hmm. What we're also seeing is we're seeing a lot of rebadging, right? Mm. It's very easy to change your 4G network to a 5G network. All the operator needs to do is to push a new APN. But those operators that are making the investments, I mean, if we talk about the US, for example, what we're seeing is we're seeing certainly, you know, T-Mobile and Verizon are certainly putting in the investment and you can see that in the network performance that we're that we're picking up with some of the testing that we're doing and i, I guess we'll talk about that yeah absolutely in a yeah. Uh, uh, and the network that isn't putting that investment in at&t we're seeing that mm, right mm-hmm, we are seeing mm-hmm. that their their performance is significantly different to the other two so it's all based on the amount of investment right. um, that those carriers are putting in um, but that's that's so, an interesting point that you're saying there's some sort of 5G washing out there that, that it's not just about the radio signal or whatever. across like, the world. Right. Mm-hmm. right? Across yeah. the world, Greg. We're seeing that. And, you know, carriers are, from a marketing perspective, are wanting to say that 5G services are available. Mm-hmm. And so they're pushing that out that 5G is available. That actually, in the testing that we're doing, we're understanding whether that is true 5G or whether it's actually 4G. And so really we're seeing badged 5G connections actually being 4G. And, and, and I think that's, you know, I understand why that's happening. Sure. Um, what you just need to do is you need a partner. You need to be able to understand the true mm-hmm. performance of those networks right. uh, in order to be able to deliver the service and capitalize on, on th- this t- different way of accessing networks. Right, right, absolutely.
0: All right, so let's say I'm I'm an enterprise and and I want a secondary or tertiary connection, say, or, or whatever the case may be, have difficult sites um, uh, or just around around the world. Um, you know, want want to be able to add some flexibility. What is, what does it take me through the process of of you know getting a network set up on on fixed
1: wireless access? So the key thing is to do your homework. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's number one. You need to understand. What networks are available in those lo- in those locations, mm-hmm. and what is the performance of those networks? So, the way that we go about it, and the, what what we're trying to promote as a really, I think, industry standards, is to actually go out there and and understand the RF environment, right. and that means using tools. To assess which carriers are available in those areas what technologies are available in those areas and then present solutions to customers that allow them to take advantage of those networks so that's Mm -hmm. number one Mm -hmm. number two is implementation is really important the second element is implementation Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to implement this there are there are a bunch of companies out there around the world and they 'll stick a multi mz so multi mz is a multi carrier sim into a router they 'll send it out to the customer and tell the customer to plug it in mm-hmm. that isn't going to work it doesn't matter how good the rf environment is if you can't install this equipment correctly you 're right. not going to get the performance that 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 you're mm-hmm. looking for and mm-hmm. therefore it's going to be a it's going to be a disappointing result so really it's those two things it's Understanding the environment, doing surveys—you can do them quite effectively—and uh, then it sits around implementation. Right. Um, and then the, the the third element, which actually is something that t- I think you know ties into telegeography, is it's all about the plumbing. Right, right. So you need to you need the right carrier partners to be able to deliver the services. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a an IoT SIM from a carrier that may not work. You know, networks work based on plumbing. Mm -hmm. You need to think about the the use case. You need to think about where that traffic needs to be broken out. And a lot of these IoT products that are out there at the moment have only got two pops in the world. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to a global carrier six, nine months ago. They want to sell us their, uh, their global roaming sim. It has a breakout in Singapore and it's a breakout in Amsterdam. Well, right. if I'm deploying that in the United States, then yeah. I'm adding 230 milliseconds. Yeah, much less uh, in... Sao Paulo or something like that. Now. Absolutely. So yeah. that's the third layer. So the third layer is making sure you've got the right carrier partner that's going to deliver that breakout mm-hmm. where you need it. Yeah. Um, and so once you put all those things together, then that that you, you get a pretty good picture. And that's what we do. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's that, that's a a brilliant point. That obviously we we love thinking about it. telegeography is that uh, you know, thinking on as the enterprise wants to these days more of an application basis that, than a pure network basis. That it's it's so important to understand where your traffic is destined and and uh, the paths that it needs to take to get there. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so since since we're talking about geography, Toby, let's get more into geography. Obviously, um, uh, behind me is is one of our telegeography maps of, of submarine yeah. cable infrastructure. Um, I've looked at uh, at some of your maps of of five G uh, and wireless infrastructure, and I think it's really cool. I love what you guys are doing. Can you tell us Thank about you. CellSmart's uh, mapping project?
1: so yeah it really came out of really answering the your your last question which Mm -hmm. is what's the what is the performance of these cellular networks and what we wanted to do is we wanted to understand the true performance of those networks we wanted to not just take what the carrier was saying uh was the performance of their network we weren't looking at what the technology said was capable we wanted to really understand Mm -hmm. um that performance, so we created um, our global cellular performance survey and we started you know with two and a half thousand tests we've now done one hundred and ten thousand seven hundred and eighty tests in seventy two countries wow we've got in we've we 've undertaken those tests in over eighty one thousand unique locations around the world and what that does is that gives us a unique insight into the performance of those networks, and we've dif- we've refined our testing methodology. So we started by using a crowdsourced methodology, and uh, but now what we've moved into is a true comparative testing methodology. So we have a rig mm-hmm. which sits which sits on top of a vehicle, and that's that's undertaking a series of tests from a speed and performance point of view every 60 seconds. So we're running a speed test every 60 seconds. We're measuring, we're understanding what the download speed is, what the upload speed is, what the latency and what the jitter is Mm -hmm. comparatively. So up to four carriers at the same time. And then every half second, we're pulling RF information. Mm -hmm. So we're understanding what the RSSI is. We're understanding what the SNIR is, the RSRP, the RSRQ, so that we can understand and then overlay in a 3D Environment, if you like, what does the RF look like, and then how does that how does that answer the question about performance? I see. So, so sort of looking
0: at um, how strong is is the radio signal, if you will, and then what is the the performance in terms of standard measures like like latency and bandwidth and Correct. things like that. And 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 then you sort of overlay that onto the the physical geography of a city. Say,
1: yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we just finished first half, the first half of uh, a tour of the U S and really it's a, it's a benchmarking tour. It's not, it's not the final answer. We need to do a lot more work, but we started in New York. We went down the East coast as far as Jacksonville on the Atlantic coast in Florida, across to Tallahassee, Mobile, Alabama, New Orleans, then Houston, Austin, all the way up to Dallas, Oklahoma city, Kansas, Chicago, Detroit and then Pittsburgh and back to uh, and back to New York, mm-hmm. testing carriers. So we were testing four carriers. We were testing three for the majority of the way. So the the big three American carriers, right. and then U.S. Cellular as well, because mm-hmm. we were interested in them because they are a carrier in their own right. They've got their own heartland territory right. in that sort of Midwest. Um, Part of the states just to see how just to see how it was going, and what we got was some really really interesting results. So if you're looking at if you're looking at a broadband replacement, then the average speed that we were picking up over twenty thousand tests, which is the number of tests that we did in this sort of first two week tranche of our testing, mm-hmm. the average speed is eighty three point eight two down. Wow. The average yeah. upload is 25.61 wow,
0: that, that is pretty impressive i have to say yeah
1: it is yeah. uh with an average with a 65 second 65 millisecond latency so right. if you're looking at a replacement service for broadband right then potentially those average results really play out Where it gets really interesting is looking at the difference when you start getting into the metro areas. Mm -hmm. So when you actually start getting into those city centers, we're looking at maximum speeds of in excess of half a gig down Um, and upload speeds of nearly 150 meg and latencies around, well, the lowest latency we recorded was 12.45 milliseconds. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're beginning to see the performance of the you know of five G coming into play right. and delivering the potential um, to support sophisticated services for large numbers of people. So not just right. <clears throat> not just your you know fast food franchise or your retail outlet or your branch office, but actually with these type of these type of speeds, then we're, we're looking at being able to provide certainly decent secondary or tertiary. Right. Back up to to larger sites
0: yeah i think that's really really interesting because you know certainly as i said at, at the start when we're talking to enterprises about this do you use wireless in, in what situations you know a pretty standard use case would be you know a, a more remote site somewhere it's it's hard or impossible to get to wireline providers. Uh, but, but when you're talking about these kinds of bandwidths being available in, in the city center, then suddenly the use case shifts, I think to Ooh. that, like, you know, fast provisioning, flexibility, you know, maybe even sort of some on-demand services, or even just as, as a, you know, permanent sort of wireline replacement um, be, because the throughput is good enough. And, and, um And, and it's, it's sometimes even, even in a multi-tenant office building, it's sometimes hard to get truly competitive pricing on, on the local tail there.
1: So, yeah. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it allows you freedom and you're Mm -hmm. right. I mean, particularly in certain countries in the world, particularly the U S where you're, you know, you're tied into a provider that's a wireline provider, but you have the ability to, uh, Procure services from a wireless provider, then it becomes the it gives you the ability to be to be freer. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you implement these services correctly, um, then if you use the right antennas, if you put them in the right location, if you have the right structure cabling that brings that connectivity down to where you need it to be in a building, then you know you really do have a viable alternative that potentially is going to give you the performance that you're looking for. Right. Now, Toby, I I usually ask this
0: kind of question right at the end of the show, but in this case, I I think a lot of people listening are probably really interested to see this map. Um, How how do they find the map and and start using it?
1: Sure. So there's some of the data that we make publicly available and there's uh, some data that obviously we keep and we talk to our customers about. But Mm -hmm. if you want to look at just the density of tests that we've done, then if you go to HTTPS... Uh, forward slash and then survey.smartcic.map and okay. you'll get our heat map and that mm-hmm. shows exactly where we've been. Um, and then if you uh, replace that map slash with test drive, then you get access to the data that we the the, the top line data that we have for, for performance. And you'll right. see there are, and, and I'll send you the links, Greg. So you yeah, I'll speak. put them in the show notes. The absolutely. And yeah. then you can drill down into that data and we're more than happy for people to drill into that data and understand, and then ask us questions and, and we'll come and talk to them about mm-hmm. what we're really finding and then then if we're if we're at the next level so you you
0: have a customer service provider or perhaps even a, a large enterprise doing mm-hmm. a lot of their own sourcing um, how do they interact with this data how do they use it in that process of of, kind of
1: uh, setting up service so there's a couple of things that we can do. So firstly, we, we will build custom reports in, I guess, the similar way that telegeography does. Yeah. We'll build custom reports around the use case that they're looking for, mm-hmm. and we'll deliver that to them. But what we can also do as well is we can, we can undertake collection for them. So we can actually go out and survey. So the way in which we've developed our uh, testing methodology is that we get the results back almost in real time. So Mm -hmm. if we have customers with specific locations, then we'll drive by those locations and pull that data and feed that back to them in hours um, so they can really understand. So we're feeding back radio frequency, we're we're, we're feeding back that data and we're feeding back the performance data. Based on the mix of carriers that they're interested in us testing, and we're completely agnostic, you okay. know. Um, so if somebody wants, you know, we're testing for our own purposes. We're testing at uh, MNOs, but for example, if you wanted to test a bunch of MVNOs, then we can stick those sims in there and we can mm. contrast the performance of the MVNO to the MNO, particularly mm-hmm. if you know which network that they're using, right. and then you can see uh, how that plays out. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just curious,
0: do, do you see a big difference there, because as, as an MVNO, they would say, "Well, we're,
1: it's it's this thing, the same service, right?" So we haven't got. So we haven't done that testing yet, mm-hmm. and actually, that's I would certainly like to get there. So we're we're baselining with MNOS right. at the moment in the states. So once we've done that, our testing plan. Then you'll have the that states, the comparator, right? Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. we're we've finished sort of the central and east coast. We're going to be hitting the west coast. Um, week commencing the 13th of November. OK, coming going... up. So so we're yeah, recording yeah, yeah. this in so early November. I
0: think it'll be out pretty soon. So it's um, yeah, look for it to come oh, cool. come out. Yeah so, yeah. so yeah,
1: so we're starting in Arizona on the 13th. We're going to Vegas. We're going to Boise and Idaho. And then we're going down the West Coast mm-hmm. all the way to San Diego. So I think that, you know, then we'll create that baseline picture right. um, of the states and then we can start drilling down into into that data. And I think we'll pull up some really interesting, interesting stuff. And then we're looking at beyond 2023 now into our 2024 planning, and that is there's a big hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, I'm interested in Wyoming, Nebraska, right. Colorado. I'm right. interested in the big bits in the in the in the in the middle of the states towards the rest where there's not a lot of. Uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of habitation. Mm-hmm. This is where fixed wireless can really play a difference yeah. because it's going to take a while, even though I think today the government announced an eight point eighteen point something trillion dollar aid package to right. try and get wireline services into rural areas in the States. It's, it's going to take time for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a lot easier for carriers to put a pipe to a tower than it is to be able to deliver those services. So if we can start mapping those areas, an understanding, then I think that will be that will be really interesting, and and yeah. we have we've we've got use cases where it works. So we've done something in the we did something in the, the Australian outback for an enterprise customer. The nearest cell tower was seventeen kilometers away. Wow, yeah. But with the white, with the right antennas, mm-hmm. the right carrier, we delivered seventy meg down, forty meg up. Wow, that's on four G. Yeah. Yeah. I would so say. it does it does work. Again, it, it plays to that earlier point around implementation, mm-hmm. doing your homework and implementing it. So it'll be really interesting to, to, to pick that stuff up when we start mapping there next year.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't wait to see the results. You know, it's something that, that I just end up talking about all the time, of course, is just the economics of, of, of telecom service. And, you know, they're, it is really expensive and difficult to do uh, dig trenches, to, to, you know, put ducks in the ground, to even to hang wires on poles. In fact, I did a whole episode on this with uh, with an ILEC in the, in the U.S. about just the, all of the layers that you have to go through of licenses and, and permissions or whatever, just to hang a wire on an existing pole, let alone build new poles and all this, right? So, yeah, so there, there does seem to be the opportunity for a lot of disruption here with those kinds of bandwidths, um, when all you need to do is get fiber to a tower rather than fiber to all of the little you know streams uh, that 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 would come out of that on a wireline
1: service so yeah no absolutely and i think that's where that's where this type of service is really going to help with broadband Mm -hmm. in in rural places and i think as you know as those services grow as the capacities of those networks expand then that's where the use case is going to be and you know our, the focus of our research is really about enterprise use case, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so if you think of all those rural businesses that are trying to run their run their operations on on damp pieces of string that are falling right. pieces, <laughs> yeah. and having something that's going to deliver you even the sort of average speeds we were talking about, 83 meg down, 25 mm-hmm. meg up, That'd be that's, that's going to make a yeah. huge difference to the yeah. way in which they operate on a mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, um, it
0: it sounds uh, kind of, you know, sort of more far reaching, almost like, you know, nonprofit oriented, but there's a there's a lot of economic development um, uh, capabilities that come with having more bandwidth available to a lot of these places and especially in The world we live in now, where folks work from anywhere all the time, right? Yeah, um, and and even uh, you know, to an extent, there's been a lot of you know, migration out of the, the coastal areas to these like exact states that you're talking about. And I think this, um, uh, uh pr- certainly seems to me
1: to provide the promise th- that that we can keep that working, right? So, absolutely, yeah. and 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 we're interested in Africa as well and mm-hmm. other developing. You know markets, because if you look at the you know if you look at the amount of data center uh, investment that's going into Africa at the right. moment and how and, and, and so what are the services that are going that they're going to utilize mm-hmm. uh, all of that capacity well they 're not necessarily going to be wireline services right. um, in the same way that a lot of African countries skip the whole PSTN network infrastructure right. piece. They're going to do exactly the same thing. They've got an infrastructure there and they're going to be able to use cellular services, whether it's 4G, whether it's 5G, to to deliver real opportunities for communities to become connected. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about Internet connectivity and that whole debate about at what point does it become a human right? Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. um and so what sort of services need to be available in order for people to access social security medical information all of those sort of things um and so i'm really interested to 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 continue that project to sort of map this stuff out and and begin to make some assessment about when those networks are going to be capable of delivering those type of services yeah well especially with you know
0: there, there's an extent to which the the terrestrial radio, terrestrial television are are dying, right? In uh, mm-hmm. in that younger generations don't own the the devices that would pick up an FM radio signal. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You know? <laughs> so 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 just like that was a sort of public good in the, in that sense, um, I, I think that that it's easy to argue that internet access should be as well. You know. So, yeah, I agree. And th- this is a, another pet peeve of mine, Toby. So I'm, I'm sorry if this is too much of a distraction, but it's also no something that that I, I think about a lot uh, in terms of the spectrum that's available for mobile service. Right? Uh, do, do you see the, the world changing in that sense of like, hey, maybe um, you know uh, terrestrial radio, even television, one day turned down? Is is that spectrum uh,
1: valuable f- from the uh, from the mobile provider side? You think? Yeah, I think it is. And I think it, it, it speaks to your point about the population's access to services based on different frequencies. You know, mm-hmm. people don't have radios anymore. People right. don't have terrestrial TV anymore. And I think we'll see we'll see those spectrums being used by carriers um or by or by Mm governments i think in order to be in order to deliver those type of to deliver those type of services i think that is i think that is the future there will come a point where everybody where everybody has i think a handheld device and that will allow you access to a wall garden of content that Mm -hmm. might be the You know, it might be the governmental services that you need to access, the social services, it might be some entertainment and so on. And then effectively it will be a pay-per-view type thing. That's definitely, in my my view, how things are are going to unfold. Right, right, yeah, no,
0: I think that's that's really interesting. All right, so so Toby, before we totally wrap up, you've you've touched on a bunch of different use cases, but I wonder if you could, you know, without naming names or anything like that, maybe give us like a solid like here, here's you know enterprise X Y Z or whatever, and and this is what. Um, they would be looking to either through their their service provider or or directly. This is what they would be looking to sell smart to sort of accomplish.
1: Sure, absolutely. We have great use case. Petrochemical provider, one of the largest petrochemical companies in the world, had a bunch of gas stations that mm-hmm. that they needed to connect to an SD WAN overlay service, mm-hmm. uh, and we went in and we delivered four hundred of those sites um, on fixed wireless access because those. The vast majority of those sites were not going to be able to receive the wireline capacity, wireline performance services that they needed to to drive the SD-WAN solution. Mm -hmm. So we went in. 60% of those sites, Greg, are staying on fixed wireless access because they provide the bandwidth. And that's the use case, right? Mm -hmm. So... It worked. We, the, our customer, who's a global telco, was able to roll that service out. They were able to roll it out really quickly um, and the, cust- the end customer didn't need to buy the wireline solution. Right. Um, uh, another use case, we have a global, one of the largest car manufacturers in the world, mm-hmm. wanted to understand in 23 locations around the world, wanted to understand what the RF environment was so that they mm-hmm. could use so they could use cellular connectivity um, uh, as a backup. So They had an MPLS, they had DIA, it was SD-WAN, but there's no point in bringing in cellular connectivity that wasn't going to be able to to drive any of the functionality should the first two go down. So Mm -hmm. We went in, we surveyed, provided complete agnostic, carrier agnostic, technology agnostic solution for, for them to be able to pick the right provider in each of those locations, and we're talking about large, you know, truck manif- truck assembly plants, large right. warehouses. This is not branch offices and car showrooms, um, so that they are able to 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 deliver that, right? Um, so that they have a fully robust, um, redundant uh, connectivity
0: solution. I think that that brings up a really great point of, of the power of doing this kind of work in in looking at, uh, you know. Rather than sort of having to set up a contract of like here's all my sites and and this provider does them, you look at what's the best provider, um, what's the best performance for at each of those locations, then get a contract in place for those and, and be able to manage it all um, through the for, through the service provider. I think that's that is Absolutely. to me what looks like the future of networks. Where you know, sort of what I'm really looking at is, is what's what's the the whole ecosystem look like and what's the best way for me to get my service across that that entire ecosystem.
1: Yeah, and that's what we do. We, we say that we are carrier agnostic, technology agnostic. So mm-hmm. absolutely, you contract with us and we'll deliver a service based on a series of metrics that we agree that are based generally around use case and performance. Right. And then we'll select the carriers that are going to deliver that service. And you it know, might we'll be make sure LTE over here from this right. carrier and, and 5G over
0: here from that carrier. And yeah,
1: absolutely. And we'll plug it all together mm-hmm. so that it works.
0: Uh, that 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 is what everyone is looking for is to get phone calls right. Yeah. I, I want it to work all the time. Excellent. Yeah, that that's really helpful. All right. So so Toby, I want to I want to close this out with something we we've touched on already, but you know certainly sure. some of this bears repeating. But um, but get a little more in depth on just just the future of of the fixed wireless market in general. You know, with five G coming along, what do you see uh, that that maybe enterprises aren't thinking about now and should be thinking about in in the next couple of years in terms of Adopting this, and then and then, what's your long term vision for? Uh, really, I, I want to talk about the the role that fixed wireless plays in this sort of general enterprise connectivity market. If that makes sense.
1: Okay, well, I think I mean the size of the market is interesting. I think it's about twenty nine billion at the moment, and it's mm-hmm. suggesting that uh, certain players are suggesting that it will be it will increase to about one hundred and fifty billion by twenty twenty eight. So it's definitely a rapidly yeah growing market and there's a there's a huge potential there. I think what we're what we're beginning to see with the research is that we're beginning to see the promise of 5G connectivity. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is we're seeing results that are coming in that are where we have 1.3 gig down where we're seeing you know 150 uh, meg up and sub 10 millisecond latencies. Now mm-hmm that's really interesting because that's where that's where use case begins to expand beyond right. broadband replacement into potentially looking at okay so at what point do we be does this become a contender or right. does it become a decision-making uh element when you're looking at dia mm-hmm. so and and if you can deliver those services as quickly as we can now, then that allows bigger businesses to become more dynamic, to become more disruptive and uh, potentially save money. Uh, they're not going to be necessarily tied into the same sort of contracts that they are before. This could be a very disruptive mm-hmm. technology. It can deliver power to enterprise and equally to telcos. So. Telcos can take if they want to can either choose to take advantage of this and obviously you know T Mobile I think right their wireline business they're a wireless company Mm -hmm. so they've gone down that they've gone down that route so they're embracing that technology and I think if you're a telco you've got to be looking at your your you know wireless as being part of your playbook Mm -hmm. and then you've got to look at how do you connect. How do you use wireless to connect to your fixed infrastructure? Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you know the the, the uh, what we say to our customers is well, effectively you can be on there everywhere. So you can then, with that type of performance, you can connect anywhere to a node on a network, right. and that's where it becomes interesting. So I think we'll yeah. we'll see <clears throat> new products coming out from telcos that are using wireless as last mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, prioritized over the network, we'll begin to see more enterprise-type wireless solutions with tra- traffic prioritization, different data packages that are going to allow larger enterprise organizations to take advantage of this. And then, if you put that together, it becomes pretty dynamic.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, again, I've been hearing sort of enterprises wanting this world for, for a few years now and i think it, it looks like it's it is starting to emerge so I, I think the demand is there and especially as you say um you know once the capabilities are are up to a sort of wireline dia sort of yeah. uh, com- competitor um i think that's going to be a game changer so it is it is a space that i will be watching closely no doubt yeah
1: absolutely next 18 months i mm-hmm. think you'll see that 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 ramp up over 18 months definitely yeah, and I also like the point you made about
0: carriers thinking about how does this connect into my sort of larger network. There's, there's all, almost some rethinking of the topology of the network in general that, that this facilitates. So. Yeah, absolutely it does. Absolutely. And- Excellent. Uh, so, Toby, uh, you already mentioned you know where we find the maps, but in general, how can listeners uh, keep up with you and, and what you're doing at SellSmart, SmartCise? So look at
1: LinkedIn. Um, we have uh, SellSmart on LinkedIn, so there's a separate dedicated page. So please become a follower. That's a great place to learn about our updates. And obviously, C.S.E. Global Services on LinkedIn as well, uh, smartcsc.com. And I'm generally around a lot of industry events, so um, come and hunt me down and I'm more than happy to sit and have a conversation with anybody.
0: Yeah. Excellent. I, I hope we, we can run into each other sometime. And, and I think maybe this is worth a, a check in, in in those 18 months maybe and, no, and see how things great. developed. And, and um, especially once uh, th- this mapping is, is, is robust and whatnot, I, I would be fascinated to, to get a look at it in, in depth. Yeah, I'd love to share it. Love to share it. Excellent. Well, Toby, this was really uh, fun and informative for me, which is always my goal. So thank you so much. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you for having me on, Greg. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Thank
0: you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Telegeography Explains the Internet comes from the experts here at Telegeography. It's edited and produced by Jane Miller, and it's hosted by me, Greg Bryan. And I also wrote that theme song you're listening to right now. To learn more about our data, jump over to telegeography.com, and we'll see you on the internet.